Uh, it's Bob McCown. It's John Shannon. And uh, as you probably can um, imagine, we, the two of us have very few, fr- uh, very few friends. And so... Um, no, no. Is, we have no friends, Bob. <laughs> so it's rare when we get a friend to come on the program. Um, and, and, and we always haven't been friendly. Well, I haven't always been friendly with him. I've no, been in I... more arguments with this guy than, than uh, anybody I know. And I would imagine you've had the odd tiff with him too over the years. No, you know, it actually, no. And in really? fact, I, 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 no. And I think that uh, not for, for public consumption, but I think in the last few years that he was, we were all together, uh, we created quite a, a, a solid bond uh, of, of friendship. So it's. Well, uh, yeah, but we had to, I had to go through, a, I had to climb a few mountains and, uh, and, and drag <laughs> him through a few rivers to get there. But yeah, but you'd yell at him and you'd call him thing too. I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scott Moore is now the president of uh, Uninterrupted Canada and uh, the former head honcho at Sportsnet. And uh, CBC Sports. And, and CBC, CBC Sports. Sports before that. Yeah. And uh, was at TSN before that, just to put all the credits yeah. in line. And I'm probably missing a few things, but. Yeah, he couldn't keep a job. So. <laughs> there was that, I suppose. Um, <laughs> although that could be said for both of us. Yes. And more accurately, perhaps, than with Mr. Moore, at least recently. Any, in any event, Moore um, scribbled something about the future of uh, broadcasting in, a bro- in, a, in the broadest sense of the word. And uh, it caught our attention. And so we asked him to come on and uh, he has agreed. And so we'll talk about sports broadcasting and where it goes. Scott Moore will join us when we continue after these messages. McCown Shannon back with you. Hope you're enjoying your day or your evening or whenever the hell you're listening or watching this. Uh, we're with um, a, a buddy, a chum, a pal, a former boss of ours, so to speak. He was the uh, former head honcho at uh, Sportsnet, uh, and now the president of Uninterrupted Scott Moore is with us. And Uninterrupted obviously... Canada, come on! Don't you want to oh, give okay. him a big, bigger job than he's got? You know? Yeah. All right. Well, but, fine. P- people's noses will be out of joint, Bob. Yeah. Well, this Canada. Although I am in the United States at the moment, I'm in California, and and I picked this background, Bob. I'm in La Quinta, uh, at looking out at the uh, at the Arnold Palmer course. I thought this would piss you off. Uh, so normally I do my Zoom meetings in my office, but I was allowed to do it. Well, hey, Scotty, how, how would we know the difference if he's pissed off or not? So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, you have success. I'm envious as, as, as crap. Have you had COVID? Have you had COVID yet? No, no. We've been very lucky. We, uh, we had a big family Christmas in Muskoka and everybody was safe, um, but we we were thinking of coming down to California and I'm watching a Raptors game with nobody in the stands. And then I'm watching a bowl game and, and NFL games wow. with, with the places jammed. And I said to Becky, I don't know who's right, but I know who's having more fun. So let's go to our place in California. Well, I don't wish you COVID, but it would Thank serve you, you right. <laughs> oh. Have you been, you've been healthy, Bob? You've managed to stay. I, I don't, you know, you know, here's the, th- I, I've had my shots, you know, um, like the pet mm-hmm. and, uh, I got, uh, got a little, little, a couple of weeks ago, a little, little head cold that, but it lasted a couple of weeks and maybe I did, maybe I had it. Maybe I didn't. I don't, you know, it's one of those with this new strain that's going around. It's relatively mild by comparison to what we were hearing, you know, with the initial stages. So um, I don't, I, I honestly don't know. I actually, I actually hope I did have it because then my immune system is, has been uh, tweaked again. Yeah. Well, the good news is for 99.8% of the population, this new strain is going to be relatively minor, but you still have to be careful, especially if you've got elderly parents. I have a friend who unfortunately uh, his elderly grandmother uh, caught it and was gone very quickly. And mm, so we are, we're very careful around my parents who are in their late 80s, but they're not here in California with us. So for the next two months, we'll, we'll be able to go out for dinner, play yeah. golf, do all the things. But I'm happy to report that down here uh, in October, very few people were wearing masks. And uh, now I would say 90% of people are wearing masks in, oh, inside, which is, which is impressive. So there you go. Well, um, I hate to tell you this, but you're referring to the elderly being at high risk. Guess what? You got a mirror yeah. nearby? Yeah. 
you're talking to two guys and you yourself more who you, yes. you may be a few years younger, but you know, I don't know that we don't qualify as elderly anymore. Where did yeah, the time 16. go? I remember, I remember walking into the TSN newsroom in 1984 before the network went on the air and there was a redheaded Scott Moore running around like a jackrabbit, just excited to be in the business. That's right. Right? right? Where did the time go? Where did the hair go? <laughs> well, Bob's hasn't changed. Yeah, Bob's is still still very good. Well, very it's a little good. grayer than it was, but I mean, I yep. still have a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I may not have anything between the, in the space between my hair or under my hair, but... Um, so... Um, this was Shannon's idea to get in touch with you because he saw uh, that you had posted something that kind of tweaked our interest. And uh, that's sort of what we wanted to talk about. And um, mm -hmm. you, you'll correct me, I know, if, if I'm misrepresenting this, but you, you suggested that maybe we are too focused on what we consider the core major sports and that there are other things that perhaps we should be taking a closer look at, spending more time with. Um, there's a new generation of, uh, of people in, in our country and in the United States as well, and people who historically don't have the ties to Canada and bring new things with them. Uh, how am I doing, first of all? Is that more or less Pretty it? good. Pretty good. I think uh, I, I look at it sort of in a macro way. Uh, and how Canada has changed and continues to change from, you know, 20, 30 years ago to now when, you know, the, the uh, multicultural policy of Pierre Elliott Trudeau really came in and encouraged more uh, immigration and Canada became more and more and more and more diverse, which is, a, I think everybody considers a great thing. Um, and if you look at the growth of the economy and the growth of the population in Canada, uh, we've committed as a country to bringing in 500,000 uh, new Canadians every year. Um, and that's where all the growth in the economy is coming from. If you took just the, the organic growth in the, the current population, we'd be shrinking. So you know, the, the growth in the economy, the growth in the population is coming from outside Canada. And where those people are coming from are, is different than what it was 75 years ago. Uh, it's not Western Europeans as much. It's people from Asia. It's people from all parts of the, of the world that may be bringing a different sports fandom to the table. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is uh, way more interest in soccer way more interest in basketball, way more interest in sports that are endemic to those other countries. And, you know, we need as an industry to be aware of where the, the big growth uh, is. And I, I hearken back and, you know, one of the things that I, an old boss of mine said, um, Nadir Muhammad, who used to run Rogers, is it takes a long time for things to change and then they change suddenly. And I think we're at that point that, you know, even 10 years ago, John, most NHL clubs uh, had no multicultural marketing strategy. Uh, and you know, now if hockey is going to become and remain relevant, they need to bring more people into the tent because mm -hmm. people who have come from Africa or parts of uh, Eastern Europe, their number one sport is going to be soccer uh, and mm -hmm. maybe basketball. Uh, the guy I played golf with on Sunday, Tim Lewicki, who you guys know, mm -hmm. he said to me 10 years ago, maybe when he first came to Canada, he said, Scott, basketball is going to outstrip hockey in popularity in Canada before you know it. And you know, apples to apples, Raptors in NBA are really, you know, I can remember doing deals, rights deals with the Raptors when I was at CBC in 2007 for zero dollars because right. they, they, they literally couldn't give the product away. Now that property is, may not be on par from a financial value standpoint to hockey, but it's awfully darn close. So things are changing and, and, you know, I'm particularly big on soccer. What happened with the Canadian men's national team and the Canadian 
women's national team over the last few months and years, you know, that sport has totally changed. The women winning the Olympic gold medal, uh, Alfonso Davies' goal against Panama went wildly viral and Canada will play in the next two men's World Cup, World Cups and that hasn't happened since 1986. So as Nadir said, it takes a long time to change and then they change quickly. And I think we're in that changing quickly phase. But okay, so I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, but when you wrote the, uh, it was on uh, Scott's Twitter feed, by the way, folks. Um, when, um, when you did uh, put it out there, I thought, wow, I wonder if the president of Sportsnet would feel this way. I, 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 it's, it, it's easy to do from the seat you're in today, yep. but you still need to generate revenue. You still need to find a way to generate ratings. And so at what point, put, it, put the old hat on, at what point would you have to say, okay, we are going to sacrifice something for the future? And, and do you have to sacrifice something for the future? I don't know that I would use the word sacrifice. I would use the word investment. Um, and soccer. No, I'm, I'm actually thinking from a programming perspe perspective more than anything, anything, Scott, in that we, we know you want to invest in, in the new sports. We know you want to invest in others other than the big four. Okay. Let's, mm -hmm. if we want to call it the big four or the big three in our country, I don't care mm -hmm. what you want to call it, but you know, there's only, even though you had five channels, there's only limited airtime. Yeah. I, I would argue that with five channels, there's more airtime than, than, uh, know what to do think. with yeah um but let me let me give you this example um four or five years ago the men's national soccer team had to pay to get on the air uh they couldn't get people to uh to carry their games unless they paid the last round or the current round of men's qualifying that we did uh, i work with canada soccer a little bit that we helped them get a deal with with sportsnet their games are drawing 1 million, 1 1.2, 1 1.3 million. Those are Hockey Night in Canada numbers. So you're telling me that there's not value there. Um, and if you look at it through the old lens, you'd say, well, they, these guys paid to get on the air. Well, they, they, we shouldn't be giving them a, a big rights fee. Well, if they're driving those sort of numbers, there's value there. So, mm -hmm. and, and if you look at the makeup of the audience, you say, that's the audience we want. So, you know, there's real value there. So if, if you have to make room, then you know, I, I think if you're making choices and investment choices, you know, soccer is hard on the heels of basketball in this country to become a top three or four sport. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the chronology of, of discussion should be here, like uh, where, where this leads to. So I'm just going to throw a few things out. Where do you put golf and tennis? Um, these are not new sports. These are um, world sports. Mm -hmm. um, both have channels of their own that can carry a lot of their content. Mm -hmm. um, we're certainly more familiar probably with the golf network, uh, the golf yeah. channel rather, which is now owned by NBC. NBC. Yeah. But um, Sportsnet was never really proactive in terms of golf or tennis. There was some on, but not a whole lot. If you were there now, would there be more? Uh, most definitely, there'd be more tennis, uh, in my opinion. I, uh, when I was there, we did a deal for Davis Cup because about six years ago, Michael Downey said to me, you got to be watching out for these kids, Felix Ojas and Dennis Shapovalov. Mm -hmm. um, both second-generation uh, immigrants uh, or yep. second-generation new Canadians, right? Um, and if you look at the people that are driving tennis in Canada, they tend to be children of, of new Canadians. Right. So we did a deal around Davis Cup and we followed Davis Cup for a long time. And uh, it culminated the year after I left Sportsnet in Canada being in the finals of the Davis Cup. And now they're in the, uh, they were in the finals and won the ATP Cup. And I, right. I don't know when I left the, the Sportsnet got rid of that, uh, the Davis Cup. Um, I don't know even if the ATP Cup was broadcast in Canada because I was down here. So um, would I, I was a believer in tennis eight or nine years ago. And it helps that 
that's one of my sports. I play it. Uh, I'm passionate about it. But clearly, that's one of the sports that's been very highly impacted by new Canadians and their love of that sport. So the difficulty with tennis, though, and I used to uh, talk to the ATP folks about this. It is very difficult to program uh, because a it can a match can be 60 minutes. It can be three mm -hmm. hours. Right. right. And yep. Yep. one of the challenges of promoting it, especially in the tournaments uh, in the ATP 1000s or ATP 500s is you don't know if Dennis or Felix are going to be in the semifinals until Thursday or Friday. Um, so tough to promote against that and even tougher when the, the organizers won't tell you until late Thursday night that Felix is playing in the early match on Friday or the late match on Friday. So it's difficult to schedule, but there is a full channel of called the tennis channel yeah. that doesn't get carried in, in Canada. So that's now on the, the cable companies to say, Hey, there's, we should be carrying the tennis channel because tennis is really important in Canada. Um, but the gatekeepers of, of the, the cable companies, they're A, not adding channels very often because they're all saying that their business is dying, uh, which I believe is wrong, but uh, they're not adding channels. And B, Bell and Rogers both own sports channels, so they're not really keen on putting other sports channels on their on their system. Right. But you know, there's a full soccer channel in Canada called One Soccer. That's not getting carried anywhere but TELUS. And though that's where the women's qualifying, uh, World Cup qualifying will be in the summer. Uh, it won't be on Sportsnet. It'll be on One Soccer. And will will Rogers and Bell step up and carry it because uh, soccer is important? Well, that's, that remains to be seen. So, so, so go ahead, John. Well, no, I, I, your, your discussion about tennis, uh, I understand it. I mean, you know, um, but the, the bigger concern and the bigger thought for me is um, growth has to occur at grassroots levels too. Uh, growth on television too has to occur at grass levels. And at what point and at what threshold do you say, okay, we're going to get 80,000 people to watch this event, whatever sport it is. And we can justify that. And Cause you, I mean, you, you know, the, when you, when you ran Sportsnet and, and others ran other channels and, you know, there's a, there, there is a, uh, a requirement to try to earn money. Yep to make to turn a profit so what's when when you say we wanted to do tennis but what's the threshold do you, do you need one hundred and fifty thousand viewers uh or does it matter at this point how many viewers you have well i think you have to have a, a enough viewers and enough interest and enough subscribers that uh that are interested in that sport but it is a chicken and egg if you don't expose the sport uh, to a broad number of viewers then right. it's not going to become more popular. So, you know, I, I think it's incumbent. And we, hey, when I was at Sportsnet, when uh, others were at, at uh, TSN and CBC, we've all tried various, uh, at various times to grow these sports. Uh, when I first came into Sportsnet, we put cricket on the air uh, because we thought that was a perfect sport for this new evolving demographic. Um, it didn't work that well for us for a couple of reasons. Number one is um, we found out that cricket is the most pirated content in the world and that instead of subscribing to Sportsnet uh, as part of your cable package, you could go to the local drugstore and get a $10 box that gives you every possible uh, cricket channel illegally, but uh, uh, you're able to get it. So that was that didn't work as well for us. But soccer, for sure, uh, I believe, can uh, can make money. And I think you also have to look at it as an investment over the long term. Uh, there's this new professional soccer league in Canada, the Canadian Premier League, which has eight, uh, eight franchises now. We'll have 12 franchises in the next three years. Um, that's where the next Alfonso Davies is going to come from. That's where the next Jonathan David is going to come from. And if you look at that over as an investment over three, five, seven, ten years, but unfortunately, um, investment horizons 
tend to be quarterly these days as opposed to yeah. uh, over the course of five, six, seven, eight years. People are doing their latest estimates monthly now. They're not doing them uh, every six months or every year yeah. saying, okay, where's our, I mean, the, the profit and the churn are things that people have to, it, it, that, and that's, that's really what tweaked me to when you sent it out because it, it's, it's really an honorable thing to say. But how practical is it? How practical is it? And that becomes the question. I think it's I think it's very practical if you take the long-term view. And I'll go back and use the, the Raptors example. 2007, I did a deal at CBC when I was head of CBC Sports for the Raptors for zero rights dollars, as I said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those games got on, on on Sunday afternoons. They got promoted on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday nights. And I'm not at all suggesting that that promotion was in any way, shape, or form the reason why the Raptors have taken off, but it got them in front of a larger audience than they had been. And now combine a larger audience with great management at the Raptors, with success on the court, and the most diverse fan base in Canada, maybe in North America, and now you've got Raptors games that, John, you and I remember when they were drawing 20, 30,000 viewers on, uh, wow. on Sportsnet or on, on Raptors TV. Now they're half a million viewers in the playoffs, three, four million viewers. That, it takes time. You can't, you can't flick a switch and say, hey, soccer is going to be popular and we're going to get uh, 100,000 viewers for every CPL match tomorrow. But if you look at it over time, uh, five, yeah. six, seven, eight years, it's a good investment. As an anecdote, I remember sitting and looking at the ratings for a certain game, maybe a couple of games, uh, and there were more people in the arena that watched on television. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we, 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 there were 17,000 people at then Air Canada Centre and 12,800 watched on television. So here's the, here are two stories, right? You got the Raptors that had that that challenge and you had the Grizzlies that had that challenge the Raptors were fortunate they were part of a, a large organization that could look at it as a long-term investment the Grizzlies decided it wasn't going to work and they left town how valuable would the Vancouver Grizzlies be today if they had stuck it out don't know but I'm guessing they'd be a lot more valuable than they would have they thought they were going to be, and they probably would have been more valuable than they are uh, living in Memphis. I am. I was going to say they're probably they would probably be intrinsically more valuable than the Memphis Grizzlies are. I agree. Well, let me throw something anecdotal out here. I don't know that you you two guys will agree with this, but we all were on the floor in the building at Sportsnet together for many years while this evolution of basketball was taking place. Um. We were in an environment where hockey was the sport. It was the sport for the network, as evidenced by the fact that you convinced you and, uh, and your idiot friend, Pelly convinced management ownership to spend $5 billion on it. And John, of course, is a hockey puck who I have to fight with uh, every day. I, on the other hand, am more a basketball fan than a, than a hockey fan and always have been. There was a cultural thing. Basketball not only had to find an audience, it had to find allies. And hockey people were not allies to basket for basketball because Agreed. they viewed it as competition. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was a direct competitor in the season that hockey operates. And so as a basketball guy, I mean, I don't know about you more, but you were at the top of the food chain, you know, so you, you didn't probably succumb to this. There were hockey people wouldn't talk to me. They were mad at me because I like basketball more than hockey. They were defensive about hockey and would talk about it all the time. So basketball had to fight that too. Like unlike baseball, when baseball came in, what was the competition for baseball? The CFL, you know, probably nothing. And I'm wondering whether you were aware of this sitting in your corner office. Um, and I should also tell the story that, that Moore, when he took that office, the first thing he said was, uh, I'm going to, I'm, it's too big. I'm going to make it smaller. <laughs> I got news for you folks. He never did. <laughs> not, it's true. Not, it was, not it was, a square inch. 
Yeah, anyway, I mean, to the point at, at hand, did you realize that there was a cultural conflict within the building? Oh, for sure. For sure there was. And basketball did have to fight to get more airtime, to get more recognition. Uh, we did not early on invest enough in the production around basketball. Uh, right. I think about 2000. 13, 14, we started adding more and more people, you know, doing pregame shows, all the things that hockey always, always had. Um, and I think you're right to, to say that certain groups uh, thought the NBA was competitive to the NHL. And in some ways it is. But if you look at broadening the tent for sports in general, then embracing both, as MLSE has done, um, is going to grow your, your business and grow your audience overall. And the, the cross-fertilization, the cross-promotion that, hey, when you have a, a big hockey game and you can promote a basketball game off of it, and vice versa now, you have a big Raptors game and you can promote a hockey game off of it, you're going to eventually get some basketball people going, I think I'll tune in and see uh, Connor McDavid tomorrow night because uh, there's a lot of buzz around him. And you might get some hardcore hockey fans saying, you know, I can also be a basketball fan. Um, so looking at broadening the tent, and I think that's that's where, and you're right, John, it's easy for me to sit here in Palm Springs uh, not having the financial responsibility of running a network anymore. But when you mm -hmm. look at the macro trends in Canada, you're crazy if you don't embrace the fact that this country has changed significantly, that sports fans have a totally different makeup than they did when you and I were first in the business in the early 80s, and that you should be investing in basketball. You should be investing in soccer. You might want to invest in cricket. You might want to invest in some of these other sports that are going to broaden your tent. Uh, we got to take a quick break. Scott Moore is uh, with us, the president of Uninterrupted Canada. Um, and we'll continue the conversation after these messages. It's McCowan. It's uh, Shannon. Scott Moore is our uh, guest today. We're thrilled to have him from um, Palm Springs, California. There is a golf course behind us. You were regaling us of stories and bragging about who you played golf with the other day. And, um, and of course, we're, we're, we're jealous. But I mentioned golf and tennis, and you jumped on tennis. I want to bring you back. You, you didn't take golf. And I'm wondering whether that's because you feel like that is a closed shop in terms of uh, the golf channel, which carries everything now owned by NBC and the major networks in the U S who carry um, virtually every tournament. Well, I think every tournament Saturday and Sunday, is that why, or is there still room for more golf? No, I didn't jump on golf because golf made a strategic decision uh, in the late 90s, um, early 2000s, to put all their broadcast rights into the U.S. and give them the Canadian territory. Um, and there's very little you can do about it in Canada because John and I both worked on producing the Canadian Open and the Canadian Women's Open, the Canadian Seniors Open for years at CTV. Um, but the, uh, the golf tours... Uh, to their discredit, uh, decided that they were going to give Golf Channel the North American rights for all these things, at which shut out the Canadian broadcasters from doing Canadian versions of their own golf events, which I think is a, 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 a woeful shame. It, we're the only uh, territory probably in the world that doesn't produce our own national open. And so the, the Mike Weirs of the world and uh, all the, the great young golfers are not getting showcased, the great young Canadian golfers are not getting sure. showcased on Canadian broadcasts because Canadian broadcasters have been shut out of producing, which is, uh, I, and, and uh, by the way, golf is incredibly expensive to produce. I was going to say, that's yeah. one of the re that's a, that's almost a bigger reason. I can, <laughs> yeah. you can do a tennis match with three cameras. If you yeah. do a golf match with three cameras, what are you going to do on the other 17 holes? <laughs> yeah. But it's different. It's different when you, uh, when you're producing a domestic uh, championship 
um, yeah. as a Canadian broadcaster. I was the executive producer of the Air Canada Championship in uh, in Vancouver. In BC, yeah. The year that, yep. Uh, and I remember this like it was yesterday. Mike Weir on the 15th hole uh, holed out from the, from the fairway with an eagle to jump up the leaderboard. And all the Canadians in the production truck cheered. Now, you don't normally get that in a golf event. But unfortunately, the uh, the runway for Canadian producers and broadcasters to do much with golf is not there because the governing bodies decided we're going to treat North America as one market, which I think is usually a mistake when that's done. Well, our mutual friend Keith Pelly was the, uh, the president of Rogers Media at the time. And of course, we all we all work together. Keith is now the uh, runs the European tour. Um, he told me in some conversation we had so many of them that he was trying to get the broadcast rights for the Canadian Open. I assume you had some involvement in that. Was that stymied by this Golf Channel owns the the owns North America thing, yes. or was was there? It was, huh? Hundred percent. Just, just couldn't get it. And by the way, I think Golf Canada. I um, don't know that uh, you'd have to ask Lawrence Applebaum if he agrees. But I, I don't know that it's been good for them because they can't get as much in the way of sponsorship because they're they're not controlling their own broadcast. In the old days, the the RCGA, as it was called then, controlled the broadcast and were able to sell sponsorship that included the broadcast. They're, they're not able to do that. Now, by the way, it never fails that when I'm doing something important, the, the, the grass is being cut outside. And you'll notice it's not me cutting the grass. <laughs> oh, it's okay. We don't, actually don't hear it. It's, uh, it's okay, okay here. It may be loud for you, but we're, we're, we're fine with it. Well, look at, you know, and I mean, CBS has done the Canadian Open for a number of years. And it's, it's how I got to meet Jim Nance. And he and I have become friends. So there, you know, there's some personal advantages to it. And look at CBS does a high quality broadcast. Um, but you're right. I mean, I would think that RBC as the sponsor who pays, I, I'm guessing 10, $12 million a year for those rights, as much as they like the coverage that they get on CBS, if I was going to say, we, if, if the old, we, if, if Sportsnet was carrying um, the Canadian Open, RBC's exposure would be many times what they get on on CBS. Wouldn't you agree? It most definitely would be. Now, the the cost of the broadcast uh, would go up, and you know, <laughs> there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that that most of your listeners don't know or probably don't care about. But um, in the old days, we used to do what was called a side-by-side. You know, ESPN was doing the broadcast and, and yeah. CTV would do the broadcast um, because ESPN didn't want to take the CTV broadcast because they thought, oh, Canadians can't do golf. So uh, we ended up where the the uh, the costs would almost double to do the broadcast. So I understand why the, the golf rights holders did what they did, but I, I do think it took um, – it, it took the Canadiana out of golf and um, it, it suffers from a little bit of the same problem that uh, the NFL does. And that may sound strange, but I'll explain it that uh, there's only American broadcasts of the NFL available in Canada. So mm. Chase Claypool doesn't get showcased as a Canadian uh, because he's just another, just another great football player. If it was a Canadian broadcast, you know, Chase Claypool would, would, would become even more of a star here. Same can be true for Brooke Henderson on the LPGA. You know, if when she comes to play in the LPGA in Canada, if it was a Canadian broadcast, she'd be the, the star of the show by far, right? Oh, sure. Um, so there are, there are challenges when you don't get to produce and tell your own native stories. But the golf one is an interesting one because there's so, there so many financial implications. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a half a million to three quarters of a million dollars to, to broadcast or produce a, uh, a golf uh, tournament in Canada. So it's a lot more expensive than, than producing a soccer game or a basketball game. Well, put it in comparison. Like what does a hockey game cost? By comparison, yeah. that half to three quarters of a million. Uh, a you could do game. five or six hockey games. You could do five or six hockey games yeah. for that. Yeah. Okay. 
So, I mean, it, it, and that to me, they it, it, golf, golf's, golf's a little bit uh, different than I, I think um, what we're talking about. Because the, the, the issue with golf is it's still an exclusive sport. Yeah. It's still viewed as an exclusive sport. That's not, that's not where, in my opinion, that's not where the growth is going to be. Uh, and right, that's so, the, sorry, and that, but that's the question. Where is the growth going to be? We've we've touched on soccer. Yeah. Is it as simple as soccer? Scott believes a little bit in cricket, although I, I don't know. I, I've I've wondered. I've always wondered uh, how many how you cover a cricket match. I mean, you talked about you don't know when the tennis game is going to end. Yeah, I mean, cricket you know, goes on cricket for weeks. <laughs> yeah, cr- I was going to say cricket match may end next month. But so I think where one started so, out here last month. Like, like it, it's funny the uh, uh, there's a, a controversy going on in Ontario right now where uh, the OUAA is or the OUA sorry is is saying why why is the government really picking on us and saying we're not an exclusive sport uh, an elite an elite sport um, why isn't there more why isn't there more long term coverage of for the sake of argument and I know where you are going Scott with with CIS or U Sport or why aren't we doing more with all of the other aspects of participation sports, particularly, I mean, the CBC does a little bit more, but why, why isn't there a place for that? And should there be a place for that on TSN and Sportsnet? So let me, let me take the first part of the question because uh, University College Sports in Canada is a whole conundrum that that many people have tried to solve. But where's the growth in Canadian sport in the next 10 years? In my estimation, that answer is incredibly simple. Soccer. Yeah. Look at the demographics of the country. Look at, at the superstars that are emerging in that sport and have emerged over the last few years. On the women's side, Christine Sinclair, uh, the greatest goal scorer in the history of FIFA. Um, Steph Labbe, the, the, uh, the keeper on the men's side, Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies. You build sports in any, uh, in any uh, territory or, or country based on, on stars and superstars. And we have legitimate stars and superstars in that sport. Uh, we are now a, it, it sounds odd to say, but I'm going to say it, we're a world power in soccer. You can't define it any other way when you're the reigning uh, Olympic gold medalists on the women's side and you're going to be part of a very, very exclusive club of countries that will be in the next two men's world cups uh, in 22 and 26. So uh, if I were going to put my money somewhere, I would put it on soccer. Now I'm happy to talk about university sports, but that, that gets into a whole other subject. All right. So let's get specific though. Uh, the correct me if I'm wrong. The rights to TFC are controlled or owned by TSN, correct? They are. Okay. Uh, they're they're yes, they are. Um, the MLS they own the MLS rights in Canada, right? Okay. Because uh, it's just Nash, it's, it's Vancouver and Montreal as well. These qualifying games for Qatar are owned by Sportsnet, correct? No, uh, no, they're owned by One Soccer, which is a. a a network that carries all of Canadian soccer, including Canadian Premier League. They own the rights to men's and women's national teams. They did a deal with Sportsnet to put those games on Sportsnet for this qualifying session. The the women's qualifying sessions, uh, which will be later this summer, will be exclusively on one soccer. And uh, they're, they're in a position where they're trying to get cable companies to carry their channel. All right. So where does this go from a television perspective, from a viewership perspective? If we buy into your theory, and I'm not being critical, I, you know, I, I think you, you may be right. Um, what do you, if you're, if you're running one of the networks, what are you trying to do? How, uh, where can you go? What, what product can you put on the air now with that you would say is a good investment? Um, well, certainly the World Cup is a good investment and TSN, Sportsnet previously, CBC previously uh, have invested in that. Uh, but if I were with one of those two organizations now, I would try and find a way to get uh, more Canadian soccer. Um, and you know, there, are, there are always deals that can be done um, to get more soccer on 
whether it's on their channels or on uh, their cable systems. So one of the things that Sportsnet used to have was um, we, they used to have Premier League games. Um, and that disappeared because of DAZN, correct? Yeah. Yeah, DAZN bid a ton of money to s- steal away Premier League from, uh, from TSN and Sportsnet. And those rights have now gone to, a, uh, as of last night, went to a, a group called Fubo, which is a, uh, an over-the-top um, system that you can now buy into in Canada. You can buy Fubo and it has soccer channels. It has a bunch of other channels. Um, mm-hmm. That's an investment that they think is going to pay off with more subscribers in Canada. Um, yeah, I, what's what's interesting if you get into the business side of it is can you make a real business with just a straight direct to consumer over the top offering at nine ninety nine uh, or fifteen ninety five whatever they're they're going to charge as opposed to being in broad distribution on the cable channels. Um, and it's a it's a chicken and egg, as we talked about before. You want to have a certain number of your games, if not a majority of your games, on a broadly distributed channel, so you get the the casual fan as opposed to just the hardcore fan. So you know, I, I would think if you talk to the folks at the English Premier League, and I used to negotiate with them all the time, uh, they have to balance the fact that they want Chelsea and Liverpool and others playing on a broadly distributed channel where they're getting a big audience. Uh, but they have to balance that with the fact that a Fubo or a DAZN puts more money on the table to have it on a, on a more niche service. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've got that balance quite right yet. Um, and you know, the, the, the leagues have to figure out whether they go for the easy quick money or whether they, continue to invest long-term, but keep the audiences high. So it's a, is it, it's a tough one. Is this where uh, our market size really does um, create obstacles? Because we're, let's face it, in, in the world of, of the Premier League, in the world of, of a European soccer, we're a drop in the bucket. We're, we're yeah. a drop in the bucket. And, we're and, around and we, yeah. I mean, and, and you said early on in our conversation that um, uh, that you still believe in the cable world. I think I, I'm paraphrasing, but you you think cable is it's not dwindling as quickly as people thought it would in our country. It's not dwindling as much as the 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 media people like to say that it's it's a dying breed. It's not dying. There's still there are a lot of people that have cut their cable. But here's what, uh, here's what I predict in the next five, 10 years. There's going to have to be um, a, a, a swap in the system somewhere because, hey, if I get rid of my uh, Comcast cable down here and I want to watch Netflix and Prime and Peacock and all the others now, by the time I've subscribed to all of those, my bill is way more than my cable bill would have been. The same is going to happen in sports. Uh, that if it becomes, you just have to subscribe to Fubo and One Soccer and The Zone and uh, all these other services, there you're going to find that your your bill is going to go from here to here. Uh, now you have more choice. You might decide, well, I'm not going to spend my money on uh, this channel because I don't care about that sport. But there's going to have to be a what I call a re-aggregation. And interestingly, that's Fubo's idea that they're going to bring all the sports services onto Fubo. And now you can subscribe to Fubo and hopefully get mm-hmm. everything you want. But there's there's a lot of stuff that has to happen in the in the interim. So I think you're going to see something like a cable system again, where you subscribe and get a broad package. And you know the cable companies are trying to figure that out to uh, to decide what's going to work for them. But I was talking to an old colleague from Rogers back when you know Ted was alive and uh, cable was the main driver of that company as opposed to wireless. The philosophy was, if there's a channel out there, 
it should be on Rogers. So that if you want Rye, if you want to be in, if you want Sportsnet, if you want TSN, if you want One Soccer, if you want the zone, it's going to be on Rogers Cable. Now they're looking at it from a cost standpoint and saying, well, we can't afford all these channels. Well, that may exasperate the cord cutting if people can't get the men's national soccer teams games leading up to the world cup they may go well if i can't get it on my cable system then i'm just going to go and subscribe to one soccer over the top and i'm going to get fubo so i can watch my premier league game so i think that re-aggregation uh mark my word on that one because you'll you'll hear that word a lot over the next uh, five years re-aggregation is going to be important um, we could sit and chat all day, but then again, we're, we're media junkies. Uh, we've been in this business our entire lives. Um, but let me throw this on. And I only, I literally have two minutes, but, um, I'm intrigued by your response to this. How serious a threat to television in general, as we know it, whether it's terrestrial or, um, cable television, whatever are services like Netflix and Amazon Prime and the others that have, have come into being. It seems to me that when I talk to people, the focus of conversation almost invariably is what they saw on one of those channels as opposed to what they're seeing over the air. Are we in the midst of a dramatic change um, or has that change already taken place? Yeah, it's, as Nadir said, it takes a long time to happen and then it happens suddenly. Um, it's, it's happening suddenly that it's not, I don't even think we should be using the word television anymore. It's, it's, it's video viewing. Media. Sure, and, and, and I'll tell you what an incredible uh, visionary Ted Rogers was. I can remember him saying at a, at a town hall in 2000 when they bought Sportsnet, uh, he said, uh, and Ted was not a big sports fan. He just knew that. He wasn't a sports, sports fan really sport. at all. Yeah. But but uh, he said, sports is going to be live. Everything else is going to be on demand. He said that in 2000, 21 wow. years ago. He was 100% right. You know, there's very few things that that I watch live on television anymore. Me there's too. The news, my wife uh, loves the voice, and sports. Those are the three things we watch live. Everything else is on demand. Um, so the the cable companies the media companies have to look at entertainment is almost exclusively going to be on demand how do you how do you solve for that well disney's done it uh, peacock's done it netflix has done it uh, so how do you do it uh, in every territory so yeah um nadir was a really bright man uh, ted was a visionary uh, change takes a long time and then it happens what, suddenly. What, what the next step in that is, is those pl places like Bob talked about Netflix prime, all of these other, what well, I, in my house of that are apps is when they decide they want to get into sports. Yeah. And the one, they that decide... worry, the, the one that should worry, um, the, the regular broadcasters is prime because yeah. prime doesn't worry so much about, a, uh, profit and loss on their video service. Because to them, it's a way of getting you to become an Amazon Prime member to buy stuff and have it delivered to your house. So it's, it's, a, it's a different world. Yeah, and I got a delivery yesterday. I got news for you. <laughs> um, more, it's uh, delightful to see you. Uh, we hope we see you in person now that we are, uh, as we were discussing earlier, uh, um, relatively geographically close neighbors. Well, everybody's and, moving to the uh, the best part of the city. That's all I know. So Bobby's on Lakeshore for breakfast when I get back in April. You betcha. Let okay. us know. Uh, meanwhile, right. put a hat, put a hat on. All right. Oh, geez, it's getting sunny here. <laughs> <laughs> I see. see you guys. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Scott Moore. We'll come back after these messages. Well, that was enjoyable. That was nice to see Mr. Moore again. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't always. I wasn't always able to say that. There were times when I hated seeing him. But um, now I like him. Yeah, but it, in the old days on the radio show, it, he would uh, stick his nose into the studio. And, oh yeah, and 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 it it was and very subconsciously a hint that he could go on the air anytime with you. <laughs> he yeah. loved he loved doing the you know the 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 drop in. He loved doing the drop in. Well, more than Pelly did, and we mentioned well, Pelly was in was. the other building. No, Moore's Moore's gargantuan office. No, Pelly would come in when we asked him. 
Yeah. Moore would come in just because he every, wanted to. Every day. <laughs> well, not quite. Let's not get carried away. And then the, the inter- are, are you yeah, buying yeah, any yeah, of this? I'm buying soccer because I I I I think. But where do uh, you go? So, no, but that that but but that's not very much different than what we're doing now, uh, and we are seeing a shift. The problem becomes is there's there's a whole level of sports below the elite sports. There's a whole level of sports that's saying, "Hey, how about, what about us? Me? What about me?" And that where that's where the issue is. I mean, the, a really good example in many ways and we couldn't get to it, was it was junior hockey in Canada. The world juniors are up here, but world juniors are a special thing. But junior hockey in Canada, where there are more than 50 junior teams in our country, are, are and, and you know had a deal with Sportsnet uh, to grow the game. For, it was a 12-year deal that actually allowed, they got out of it early. Regularly it scheduled games. Well, it, it was wasn't, drawing flies. It wasn't working. It wasn't working. It wasn't working helping the game and creating interest in the game. Uh, they've now done a deal with TSN. That's a partnership, a time buy more so like what Scott was talking about with the Raptors uh, in the, uh, in the early two thousands, because there's not enough money available to generate in a rights fee. And there's not enough people watching. If we've got a hundred thousand people watching a junior game between London and Kitchener across the country, that was a bonus, Bob. That doesn't happen anymore. And that's the problem is, is that there's a whole layer of sports in our country that just don't have a place to be visible on television because not enough people will watch. Not enough. And at that point, you have to look at your business partners and say, we ought to have, you know, put on another basketball game, another baseball game, another soccer game, another hockey game. Well, I'm sure you have similar stories, but I can't remember how many times, many times I get personal calls from um, some somebody in some sport who says Scott Moore won't return my call. Keith Pelly yeah. won't return my call. I want to, you know, my sport is the, the next great sport. How do I get it on television? And the answer is you don't. Um, unless you go and buy the time. Unless you buy the time. And yeah. you, you don't have the money to buy the time. No. And they don't have the money to pay you. So it, it's, it's, it, and it they're doesn't not gonna, work. They're not even going to spend the money to produce it because as we discovered the production costs or people have discovered production costs, you know, even if you pay nothing for the rights, you can lose your production shirt. Production costs just can on be heavy. Cost yep. to put it on the air, right? Yep. Yep. Just like uh, this show. Oh, it's nothing like this show. Uh, we got to, <laughs> we got to get out of here. Time is our enemy uh, for John Shannon, Bob McCown. We'll see you tomorrow. We hope. Goodbye, everybody.